In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. Today is Holy Trinity Sunday. The Holy Trinity has been tried to be explained throughout the history of the world. Several volumes have been written about the Trinity by the ancient church all the way up to today. And I have about 15 minutes today to maybe try explain to you the Trinity. Good luck, right? But we don't believe in luck. But I would like for you to think about a few things today to show you, not to explain to you, but to show you how the Trinity works. First, the Trinity is a name. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is all about his name through the Old and New Testaments. Exodus 3, the Moses said to God, Behold, I'm going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Kind of an interesting name. Doesn't really seem to give us a whole lot. But nonetheless, it shows us the true power and divinity of the Holy Spirit, the Son, and the Father, all three in one. God's name is also a place for his location. The Lord says in 1 Kings, I have heard your prayer and supplication which you have made before me. I have consecrated this house which you have built by putting my name forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. What is this all about, Pastor? What's this all talking about here today? The name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yes, is God's name. And wherever God's name is, that is where God is to be found. His name is not like Bud or Laura or Zach. His name is who he is, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus later on will tell his disciples, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am also. The name of God has been placed upon you in your baptism, where you were baptized into the waters of the Holy, of, of the Holy Trinity. I baptized you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, just as Jesus told his disciples to do in Matthew 28. What does that mean, Pastor? We are now brothers and sisters in Christ. We are a family. I don't like this term, members. I don't like this term in terms of our congregational statistics. Who are the baptized? Who are the confirmed? We got four coming up today. And who are those who are communicant? We have divided the work of the Trinity up in so many ways. But it starts with baptism. The little ones in the back whom you hear crying and speaking and saying all things, let them be in here because as God's baptized children, they are your brother and your sister. We have a baptism happening next week. We have a guest preacher who will be doing the baptism and preaching up here. 
I think his last name is Ralston. God gives his name to his people, and where the name of God is, there he is also. But do you remember the small catechism? Do you remember what the first commandment is? You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Do you remember what does this mean? Did you have it memorized? Can you tell me here today? We like to look at these four who are going to come up here today and say, I hope they get it. I hope they understand everything that they have been hearing and learning. And we make this a bunch of academic exercises rather than confirming what the Holy Trinity has already done for them as your brothers and sisters. We should fear and love God so that we do not curse, swear, practice witchcraft, lie or deceive by his name, but call upon him in every trouble, pray, praise, and give thanks. How have you used God's name? Have you used it to curse and swear when somebody simply cuts you off in traffic or is taking forever at the line at the grocery store? Have you used it to do evil, witchcraft, or even to lie? Look at all around you. We don't know how to use this name in God's house that God has given to us. And how many people use the name of God around us to curse, to swear? Think about that for a moment. How many people, when there is a tragedy or something terrible, sit there and say, Oh, Jesus! Jesus Christ! Or they take the name of Jesus fill in some filthy word and say his name, Christ. You notice that they don't say Allah or Buddha or Vishnu or Gaia or anything else. It is always the holy name of Jesus. And it's all over the public, isn't it? The shows that you binge on Hulu or Netflix, the movies, the people sitting in the grocery store who were upset because they don't have their favorite coffee. This should tell you something. That at the name of Jesus, every knee in heaven and on earth shall bow down, says Scripture. This name is holy. It's not like your name or mine. And by these people, and even by you, cursing and swearing by Jesus' name, you are confirming that this is a divine and holy name. Not by your cursing or swearing, but because you are using it. You are using it in relationship to the first commandment, which means you shall have no other gods. By taking the name of God in vain, you are saying that you are greater, you are higher, and you are more worthy than God. The other thing that I want you to think about in all of this with his name is, is that God's name brings his presence. You heard in this morning's Old Testament reading from Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah has this amazing vision of the throne room of God, angels descending and ascending, saying out three times, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of heavenly armies, the whole earth is full of his glory. 
Isaiah sees this, and he doesn't sit there and say, oh, wow, this is amazing. He says to himself, woe is me, for I am ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell amongst the people of unclean lips. Isaiah falls down dead. John falls down in Revelation when he sees the same thing. So does Job. So does Ezekiel. They don't sit there and think that they have the right to stand before God. And if God's name brings his presence, then what does this mean for you? We don't deserve to be here today. Well, pastor, I just see you. I see some water, some bread, and some wine, and some readings. But the Lord uses the foolish things of the world to overcome that which is wise. He uses the weak things to overcome that which is strong. Wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there too is Jesus. There too is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Have you ever maybe noticed that during the divine service, whenever the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is sung, you see maybe Chaplain Found and myself bow down. Now, that doesn't mean if you don't do this, you're not a great Christian. This is a simple gesture found throughout the early Christian church of acknowledging the divine trinity in our midst, the divine name given to you in your baptism. That same divine name which you heard about in confession and absolution, you are forgiven all of your sins in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. These confirmands who are coming up here today, they're simply confirming the name that was given in their baptism. They are confirming before you and me by the power of the Holy Spirit that they have been given this name in their baptism. This isn't a new revelation. This isn't something that they all of a sudden have learned and have never heard before. It's not that they understand this, by the way. This is not something of an academic exam or even something that they have to jump through hoops. Now, some of you might say, well, hey, when I grew up, I had to go before the entire congregation on a Saturday night, and the pastor threw 4,000 questions to me in front of the congregation, and I had to answer them. I had to get up and give a testimony on what the Bible meant to me. I was mortified. I didn't want to do it. I wanted to leave the church because of it. I don't want to stand up here and try to say this. And quite frankly, as a pastor, I don't want to put our youth through that today either. They are examined. They are examined in a terms of a one-on-one -on -one discussion about the six chief parts of the catechism. They're examined by me. They were examined by Chaplain Found with their parents who brought them to the waters of baptism sitting and watching on. Maybe even some of them were saying, yes, feel the uncomfortableness. No, that's not what this is all about. They are simply acknowledging what God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has already done. 
One of the Christian questions that they're asked is, is, how does the view of Christianity deal with the other religious views throughout the world? How would you answer that? Yeah, I'm looking at you. How do you answer that today? Well, let me call pastor. Let me just ignore it. Let me not sit here and get into that sort of discussion. But there will be those who ask you, what makes Christianity different? And that's how we interact with these youth. Why do you belong to a church that baptizes infants? Well, it's the way it's always been done. It's sort of the tradition or custom. Or is it deeper? The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has been at work by placing his name on you and these kids. The second thing I want you to think about with the Trinity today is that the Trinity is all about love. Love. Everybody likes that word today. Love is love. Love can be whatever you want it to be. We just have one word for the word love in English. But the Trinity is all about love as well. The relationship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is all about their love for one another. And I love what Augustine, one of our early church fathers, said about the Trinity. It's very simple. The Father is the lover. The lover who created you in, your, in his image. The lover who created you and sustains the whole world. The Son is the beloved the one who has been sent to redeem you and to purchase you by his precious blood. And the Holy Spirit is love. Lover, beloved, love. Love, 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 love. But this love is sacrificial. It's not a feeling. It's not a notion. It's not something you can think about or ponder. This love is concrete as the cross of Jesus Christ has been lifted up for the entire world. I, when I am lifted up, will draw all mankind to myself. No greater love has this that one should lay down their life for their friends. The relationship between them is all about love, and they are the foundation of giving and sustaining all of their love for you. All of their love for you. Name, presence, Love. Jesus pours out his love for you, his bride, which is the church. By the way, Jesus cleanses his bride, washes and presents you, his bride, as clean and spotless. Do you see how it's all wrapping into baptism? Father creates all things, Son sheds his blood. Holy Spirit keeps you in this faith by constantly reminding you of God's love. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We love because he first loved us. How are you doing with that today? I don't know, Pastor. How are you treating one another? How are you speaking and thinking? of each other in this place or even out there is it a select little crew your little circle whom you're comfortable with or are you doing as the catechism says remember that 
putting the best construction on all things pertaining to your neighbor. They cut me off in traffic. Well, maybe their loved one is dying in the hospital. I hate hearing something like that. And I'm sure you do as well. But what does God give to us? The Great Commission is not necessarily baptizing and making disciples. The Great Commission for you sitting in the pews is love your neighbor as yourself. Love covers a multitude of sins. There is no law in love. These three abide, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Love poured out for you by the Trinity, love living out in and through you because the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have made their home with you. John 3 today is all about the Trinity. You'll notice that a great teacher, a clergyman of the Old Testament, he don't get it either. Jesus says, one must be born from above. Born again, washed by the Holy Spirit. Nicodemus doesn't understand it, and neither do you and I. And you'll notice Jesus doesn't try to explain it but he still is showing us how the Trinity works for you. That's the other thing I want you to think about today. It's not about what you understand with the Trinity, but it's the fact that the Trinity is working all with you in mind. The pastor, it'd be nice to have an explanation. Some have tried with an apple or a three-leaf three clover. Don't go down that path. Simply listen to what Deuteronomy 29 says about the mysterious things of God. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. They're his, not yours. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may receive all the words of his law and do them. I didn't explain or think about explaining every time we have baptized somebody, but it is a sacrament. Remember what sacrament means? It's in your catechism. Mystery. Not to be explained, but to be received by faith. God works mysteriously. Yes, he works sacramentally, yes, by connecting his word with his water, and that word is a promise of his eternal love for you, that he has given you his divine and holy name, that you are brothers and sisters in Christ, all because of what they do for you. Washed by water and the Spirit, says Jesus to Nicodemus, and there is the foundation for it all. These youth have been washed by the water and the Spirit. They've been born from above just like you, and they've been guaranteed just like you all the blessings, benefits, and salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul sums this up well in Romans 6. Do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism in the death, that as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, even so we should walk 
in the newness of life. What is happening here today is a reminder that these youth and you are connected to Christ's cross, his death and resurrection. They are simply confirming what has already happened to them. And please, this is the pastoral plea you get every year. Please do not make this about a graduation. Do not look at them and say, well, you jumped the hoops just like I did. You did good. Now you've made mom and dad or grandpa and grandma happy. This is not graduation. It is a rite of passage. It is a rite of passage as they confirm what God has done, that they are your brothers and sisters in Christ, that they renounce the devil and all his works and all his ways, and they are welcome to the family table to receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and for the sake of the strengthening of their faith. Please, don't make it graduation. And as you see them today, don't even tell them congratulations. Pastor, that seems a little harsh. How many signs have you seen around you? Congratulations, grads. Maybe we should do this in the winter. I don't know. Here's what I want you to tell them today. That you love them. And that you pray for them. Not just simply a good job. But they have always been your brothers and sisters in Christ. And you pray for them for youth in this broken and busted world. Coming up and acknowledging what God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit has done. By the way, we're going to have a little reception for them. There's cake. Everybody loves cake. And for all of the things that we do and say today, why wouldn't we want to celebrate this? Take a moment. I know you might have brunch reservations or whatever else. Take a moment and th give thanks to God and tell these youth that you love and pray for them. The blessed and holy Trinity's name has been given to all of you. This love has been given to you that you may walk in the newness of life. For Jesus says very well, God so loved the world, the Father so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, his beloved Son, that whoever believes in him by the power of the Holy Spirit is saved and has eternal life you've received the name you've received the love you have received the work of his promise that even for you on the last day you will stand before the great i am in the heavenly house that is built for his name in the name of the father son and holy spirit who has promised to prepare a place for you, who has written you and your name on the palms of his hands, the great and wonderful divine holy unity trinity, the mystery, will not be explained. It will be revealed wholly to you as you live forever 
in the house of the Lord with his name. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.